we didn't go into these negotiations asking what's good for us and the company, it wouldn't be give and take. Uh, it would just be us taking. And if it isn't already clear, uh, UPS didn't give us any of this out of the kindness of their hearts. Um, we fought for it and we won a lot and they lost a lot. Welcome to Fight Back Radio, production of fightbacknews.org, taking you to the heart of the people's struggle. I'm your host, Richard Berg, and today we're going to uh, uh, wrap up um, what's been a a lot of our coverage on the Teamsters uh, battle with the United Parcel Service. Many of you probably already know that the Teamsters have reached a tentative agreement, and as I'm recording here now, they're, uh, they're voting on that agreement. But uh, um, our friends at uh, the Freedom Road Socialist Organization, uh, you may remember we broadcast a forum uh, leading up to the potential strike, um, and uh, uh, they're doing another forum. They have done another forum, which we're going to rebroadcast today as our thing. It's, it's basically saying, what is this settlement? What does it mean for the labor movement? And what does it mean for, uh, you know, for socialists uh, that work within the labor movement? And so uh, uh, I think you'll find this interesting. Uh, I I think it's particularly interesting because of the deep roots that uh, Freedom Road has in the Teamsters and in the labor movement. And that shows, um, you know, while it's, it's, you know, we encourage, uh, as does Freedom Road, uh, the, uh, you know, for socialists to go into the labor movement, to get jobs at places like UPS. Um, We did see a, a, a whole bunch of people do exactly that, um, but they, they, some of them, uh, uh, we hope, stay and, and, and learn from this experience, but some of them, uh, you know, projected themselves after six months on the job as we're the leaders, and now they're saying, oh, yeah, this isn't radical enough, or vote no, and uh, I think this forum, you know, has uh, three uh, uh, leaders in the Teamsters, you know, union stewards, people that have been there a long time, uh, and uh, give a, a more measured view uh, that shows respect for the uh, for the uh, for the leaders of the of the of the Teamsters that have been there a long time, and they've become them themselves. Uh, uh, so I, I think you'll enjoy this. Uh, also, I think it gives some understanding of how this contract campaign at UPS and the Teamsters is a game changer. I think this is probably the most important thing that's happened in the labor movement uh, this year and, and probably in a long, long time. Uh, for the Teamsters, it, it, it's, it's a changing of directions um, at their largest employer and at, you know, the, the largest private sector contract held uh, with a single employer in the country. And so it goes from years and years of concessions to turning that around. And so uh, they'll, they'll talk more about that, so you don't hear, need to hear me talk about it. So uh, here now is uh, the Freedom Road Socialist Organization uh, Forum uh, on the Teamster Settlement. All right. Thank you, everybody, for joining us for this event on class for communism and the tentative agreement at UPS. My name is Shireen Horizek. I am... Um, a longtime union activist. I've been a member of my local at the University of Minnesota for the past 19 years. I am the president of my union. I have been the chief steward. I have been the vice president for organizing, and I've led bargaining for probably the last uh, uh, eight or 10 rounds of bargaining. Um, In addition, though, um, a way that I don't often introduce myself, but in addition to being a trade union leader, I am also the chair of the Labor Commission of Freedom Road Socialist Organization, and I will be moderating the event tonight. We're going to be hearing from three, um, three Teamster rank and file leaders who work at UPS, who will be talking about the tentative agreement at UPS that was just reached with um, 240,000 workers represented under the contract. Um, Members of Teamsters are voting voting through the 22nd on the tentative agreement. And we want to hear again from rank and file leaders on with their perspective on the contract, as well as talking about what uh, what class struggle unionism is and what are the next steps moving forward. 
as I said, my name is Shereen Horzak. We'll be hearing from Jared Hamill, um, Jenny Beckenstein, and Nato Hernandez. Um, the event will be about an hour long. It is going to be recorded and will also be, um, be broadcast on Fight Back Radio on the podcast. So I encourage everybody, if you haven't listened to the Fight Back Radio podcast, to please check it out. There are a lot of great, um, great podcasts, um, episodes that have been done on the UPS uh, contract campaign in particular. We've heard from a number of, of leaders and the, the first round of um, discussion with this group of activists is also um, is also an episode on Fight Back Radio. So I just really want to encourage people to look for it and listen to it and share it with friends. So as I said, we're going to be talking about the tentative agreement uh, that was reached between Teamsters and UPS, but also put it into a, a broader perspective. And I'll say as someone who has been, um, who led a strike of 3,000 clerical, technical, and healthcare workers at the University of Minnesota in 2007, which was one of um, less than a dozen strikes that took place in the country that year, um, it it is definitely stunning to see where um, where things went with UPS um, and the contract campaign that was organized um, in such a strong way around the country. Two hundred forty thousand workers militantly standing up and fighting back for better pay and better working conditions, um, and was something that the the labor movement and really the the entire country was watching. And we're going to hear about um, about that tentative agreement. Um, the strengths and weaknesses of it and some perspectives, as I said, um, going forward. What we do know, though, is that contracts will never represent what we deserve. Um, they are only what they only represent what we can wrestle away from the bosses. They also represent, though, concessions that are forced on us by the bosses. And at times uh, they represent the uh, agreements that are forced on us by the do-nothing sellouts and the leadership um, who've run most of our unions for far too long. And so, um, you know, we have to think about what what we can do above and beyond what is in a union contract, right? We know that there are things that are really good, and we're going to hear about some of the major wins that came about in the UPS contract. Um, but we know that we need something more than that. Um, uh, as a good friend of mine once put it, you know, it, we need to think about more than just the revolutionary struggle for the just distribution of overtime. We need to think about how um, workers and oppressed people need more than just a kinder, gentler form of capitalism. We need more than good contracts. We need a system where society is in the hands of those who produce the wealth. What we need is socialism, right? And what we know is that a contract campaign isn't going to get us there. It's going to get us a good contract, um, but we need something more than that. We need an organization that really is about fighting, not just on the shop floor, but is about fighting for um, improvements in society as a whole and really is about fighting for the complete um, the complete turning over and turning upside down the society and the way it's functioning. And instead of it being the, the capitalist class that's ruling it and oppressing people on a daily basis, needs to be the workers who are in charge. Um, and, and Freedom Road Socialist Organization is about bringing about that revolutionary struggle. Um, we have a long and um, I think very proud history of organizing within the within the labor movement, um, within uh, within trade unions, unions as rank and file activists, but also within the broader movements as a whole. And we see um, as uh, you know, our strategy is about about uh, building a united front against monopoly capitalism and within that a strategic alliance between the multinational working class and oppressed nationality movements at our core. We know that capitalism in the U.S. was founded on stolen land based on the labor of slaves and stolen lives. And as Marx said, labor in white skin cannot be free as long as in black skin it is oppressed. And so we see the strategic alliance between, um, between the working class uh, the multinational working class and oppressed nationality movements is at the core of the, the struggle that we have. So we're also going to hear in the discussion today about what some of the gains have been in terms of, um, you know, fighting uh, against national oppression on the shop floor. Um, 
And uh, we're going to talk about class struggle unionism, what exactly it means. Our strategy within the labor movement as Freedom Road Socialist Organization is to build class struggle unionism, to build the militant minority, to identify those who recognize that the fundamental battle that we're waging every day in the workplace is a battle against our bosses. It's a fight on the shop floor, that there is no common interest that the, that the working class and the owning class have, that that the bosses and workers have on the shop floor or within the system. Um, we work every day to, to build those fights on the shop floor and, again, to fight the bosses, but not just fight the bosses. Sometimes we have to fight the, the union bureaucrats who want to go along to get along, who want to who want to um, collaborate with the bosses. And, and sometimes we have to fight them. If they're willing to fight the boss, we'll stand beside them. But if they're not, we will fight them as well. And we want to identify these, the militant minority within the workplace that really recognizes the need to fight the system as a whole, not just fight for improvements in one workplace, but really to fight for improvements in society as a whole. Our approach is building class struggle, which means that, again, there's a fundamental difference between uh, the bosses and the workers. It's us versus them. There is no such thing as interest-based bargaining. Um, the contract we see is a temporary truce, and that's all it is. We have to fight every day to win all that can be won, to raise the consciousness of workers in the on the shop floor, and to um, build organization and win, win people over to socialism. We recognize in class struggle unionism that workers need to lead our own struggles, um, that, that uh, it's about rank and file militancy. It is not about staffers from the local or the council or the international telling us what to do, but it's about workers really defining what we need and what our battles are and building those rank and file movements and shop floor struggles, determining who, who controls what's going on. Um, it's about union democracy. And again, it's about a class stance that this is a bigger battle between labor and capital. Finally, our strategy within labor is is to concentrate, which means that we need to work together to build a broader fight, um, to build a strategic approach, um, assess conditions and work together in developing those fights. Again, winning all that can be won to strike blows against the enemy and build organization and consciousness. This has been a long-term strategy for Freedom Road Socialist Organization. As long as we've been doing labor work, we've been sending people um, into the labor movement as rank and file activists. Um, our comrades are about sinking deep roots, about building fights for the long term, not just getting a job and then, um, you know, pushing for, uh, pushing for a strike or participating in one, uh, in one contract campaign, but it's about building long term strategies. And we know that the contract campaign at UPS was just one part of a bigger battle. And our comrades who work at UPS are going to continue that fight. Um, long past this current contract campaign. And we really want to invite all of you, if you're not a part of the socialist organization, to consider joining us. Um, we are a group of fighters on the shop floor and in the labor movement as a whole and in the broader movements for justice in the United States. And and if that's uh, what you're interested in, then um, we really encourage you to join us. There's some links in the chat. Um, and with that, I'm going to turn it over to our speakers. Um, again, I'll, uh, our first speaker is going to be Jared Hamill. He is a package car driver and elected Teamster shop steward in L.A. He's worked at UPS for more than 11 years. He's also a member of Freedom Road Socialist Organization and is a part of our Labor Commission. When he's not organizing, he spends most of his time with his wife and daughter enjoying hiking and the outdoors. And so I'm going to turn it over to Jared and then... Um, uh, I'll introduce Jenny um, and Nico before they speak. So um, let's give a, a great welcome to Jared Hamill. Thank you, Shireen. Um, and I'll just start with this. This will be my, I believe, fourth contract that I've gone through at UPS. Um, yeah, I've been there over 11 years, so it's been a while. Um, but I'll start with this is like after kind of the recent history is after weeks of practice picketing across the country, thousands of workers, you know, poured into the streets outside their hubs, outside their gates. Um, if major rallies in New York City and Chicago and Los Angeles, all with, uh, you know, 
President Sean O'Brien there. You know, he came to our hub uh, a couple weeks back. Um, and after all that struggle, you know, that people were doing, um, the company came back to the table and they were ready to reach an agreement. And that happened on July 25th. Um, so, you know, as part of the 340,000 workers at UPS, um, you know, we put a lot of pressure on the company um, to the point where we were about a week away from walking out and bringing this company to a halt and also the economy as well, because UPS is such a big part of the economy. Um, so, you know, July 25th happened. It was a Tuesday. And so for me and my center, all the drivers around, you know, there was a real sense of victory in our center. And, uh, you know, this is coming from a year out, you know, where we were getting out there, we were flyering, you know, we were tabling, meeting, picketing, um, and of course rallying. And, um, you know, it kind of was like this moment where we said, when we fight, we win. So for those who have been around UPS more than a few years, um, we saw this contract as something a lot different than what we were used to. Uh, this time around, we actually had a campaign uh, that never happened before. Um, as a reformer in uh, in the Teamsters, we actually worked with the leadership of the IBT, and we were working together on this contract campaign. That's something that never happened before either. And so the other big thing about it, too, is that um, there was an actual real threat of a strike that never happened. Under the previous administration, under Hoffa Jr., that never happened. But I'll say this is, uh, you know, it didn't happen overnight. Okay. Uh, this was part of a historic struggle against concessions at UPS and against leaders in the union with no drive and no willingness to take on the boss. Uh, in 2018, the Hoffa administration ran through a contract uh, that was actually of. Uh, voted down but it was still rammed through the rank and file was was outraged and so what we did was we mobilized to oust the administration and we got rid of the do nothing leaders um we got rid of hoffa and elected uh o'brien and zuckerman along with the uh, teamsters united coalition slate and so the rank and file drove this um the con they drove the contract campaign to beat back those concessions from year after year after year to raise wages, benefits for all the Teamsters, um, part-time and full-time. And this campaign brought more folks into this fight than I've ever seen in my entire time at UPS. And it raised people, it raised the bar and it raised expectations for folks. Um, so what did we win? Uh, We've got two part-timers on the panel, too, so I'll just kind of speak on what did we win as full-time and what did we win as drivers. So the biggest concession that we beat back was uh, implemented in the 2018 contract, and that was a second class of, of drivers called the 22-4s. The 22-4s were, they got less pay and they got less rights. They forced overtime. They had no protections against forced overtime. But I'm proud to say they're no more. Uh, this contract beat back the second tier. Another big concession was uh, for drivers being forced in on a sixth day. Um, that, especially during the uh, pandemic, uh, 2021 and on, uh, we were forced to come in six days a week, and it's very tiring exhausting uh physically and mentally <laughs> and so i can say now that is no more as well so those are two big concessions from our previous contract that we got rid of but it wasn't just about beating back concessions it was also about moving forward bringing people forward and uh, seeing what else we could win the other big thing was air conditioning in the trucks uh, most people know you see the UPS driver driving down the street. They've always got the doors open because there's no AC. Uh, it's extremely hot in there. And even in the back, uh, you know, it's like an oven. So it can be like 130 degrees. You're slow roasting in there. 
And so we actually were able to win uh, air conditioning for uh, they're going to start implementing it in like the extra hot zones within the United States, which is like the Southwest, for instance. Um, but we got that. We never had that before. We improved language for the reduction of overtime. Um, we have some ish, uh, some language in the West on uh, bringing in part-timers to go into feeder before hiring off the street. Um, another big thing as a shop steward, we're constantly under the uh, pressure of the company to move, 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 and uh, you know deliver these packages. And they use technology to do it. Um, we've got these computer things called dyads where they, they have GPS, you know, they send you messages, they can tell everything about your day. And so what the company likes to do is they like to use the information from this technology and from cameras and from all the other things that they have and use it to discipline us and harass us into moving faster. Um, one of the things that we won in this contract is that we are no longer able to be disciplined based on that technology alone, which is a major win. And as a steward who's in the office uh, every day uh, trying to defend coworkers from something that a computer says, uh, this is a big win. So we can throw out that discipline automatically. And of course, the other big thing is uh, the wages. Um, wages, I'm sure we'll hear about wages for part-timers, but also for drivers too. Um, you know, we're getting $7.50 over the life of the contract. It puts us close to $50 an hour by the end of the contract. And uh, that's a major thing, you know, for folks that uh, obviously who doesn't want more money, right? So through this fight, we won a lot of things. Uh, was it everything? No, of course not. I, Shireen spoke about, you know, it's a temporary truce between classes. Um, and that's definitely true. Um, I'm confident most folks, you know, when we're voting on it currently, I mean, most people will say yes because of the things that we did win. But there are a few folks that say that it's not enough. And, um, you know, in, in a lot of ways, they're right in the sense that, you know, UPS made $14 billion in profit uh, last year, all of which is ours. Um, but there's a question of how much can be won under a union contract and that and, you know, so on and so forth. And um, how much people are willing, able to to hold out during a strike and for how how much are they willing to settle for? For how long are they able to do it? So I think, um, you know, we really raised the bar um, for folks, for our coworkers and into a fight that we haven't seen ever. And for the veteran, you know, coworkers, they haven't seen it in over 25 years. Um, so I'll say, you know, we as Teamsters and as revolutionaries, we need to remember that, you know, just like uh, the struggle against concessions brought us to this point today, um, we have to remember that the struggle continues and that the struggle in the Teamsters and the labor movement moves us closer to ending exploitation of one class over another for tomorrow. So I just want to say thank you, everybody, for having me, and um, I'll, I'm looking forward to have, answering any questions, and thank you. Thank you, Jared, uh, for sharing that information and your perspective. Our next speaker, I'm really pleased to introduce Jenny Beckenstein. Uh, she's a two-year Teamster out of Local 396 in Los Angeles and is also a UPS part-timer and shop steward on the preload shift and a proud member of the Freedom Road Socialist Organization. Before Jenny worked at UPS, she worked at an Amazon warehouse and has also been helping in the fight to organize Amazon workers with her Teamster local. So um, let's give it up to Jenny, who's going to be talking about her experiences at UPS. Thank you. Um, cool. Well, you all, you both already took all my points. Um, but yeah, I'm going to talk about the economic gains we won for part-timers. Uh, but first, I just wanted to say again um, that as class struggle unionists, we recognize that we as workers have nothing in common with our boss, um, in this case, UPS. And negotiations are a great example of that conflict because what's good for us in our contract is bad for UPS and vice versa. Um, so 
we didn't go into these negotiations asking what's good for us and the company. No, we uh, we were very clear that we would not have the cost neutral uh, negotiations that UPS wanted. It wouldn't be give and take. Uh, it would just be us taking because um, this is after uh, years of concessionary contracts. Um, so I'm glad that our negotiations were combative and that we organized ourselves in our hubs and nationally to demand more and not settle for concessions. And if it isn't already clear, uh, UPS didn't give us any of this out of the kindness of their hearts. Um, we fought for it and we won a lot and they lost a lot. Um, so uh, for part-timers, uh, basically the this contract fight, the main demand was around part-timers. Um, Part-time pay had been too low for too long um, uh, since 1982, which was 40 years ago. Uh, part-time pay had only increased by $7.25. Um, so we were already starting from a bad place um, where most part-timers were making minimum wage. Um, so what we won, um, and all of the wages depend on years with the company, um, but we won between around $7 to $9 increases over five years, um, which is uh, around 33% to 55% increases. For example, I was at sixteen sixty-five, which is minimum wage in LA, uh, and I'm going immediately to twenty-one, and then by the end of the contract, I'll be at twenty-five seventy-five. Um, and people who have been with the company longer, they'll uh, be much higher um, because they've already they've already uh, they're already starting from a higher place. Um, this was also the first time ever that we got longevity raises. So for uh, part-timers who have been with the company more than five, 10, or 15 years uh, at different rates. Um, they got an uh, extra raise for their years of service. Um, and that was one of the biggest demands, especially because we were so high behind in wages. Um, so uh, yeah, these were definitely the largest raises, uh, both in dollars and percentages ever, um, but we still do have a lot of catching up to do. Um, and there are a lot of people who are unhappy that we didn't get $25 an hour. And as class struggle unionists, we don't believe there is a fair day's pay for a fair day's work because the CEOs and shareholders of UPS are making so much more off of us every day than what we're getting paid. So in that sense, even 25 isn't enough, 30 isn't enough. We all deserve way more because we work for it. Um, so while this uh, may be the best contract UPS uh, workers have ever gotten and one of the best union contracts probably negotiated in the US, uh, it doesn't mean uh, that we aren't still being exploited as workers. Um, a union contract could never eliminate exploitation under capitalism because exploitation is the main feature of capitalism. It's what keeps the capitalists going, keeps them rich and powerful. Um, so, of course, we want the whole pie uh, because we work for it. We made the pie, so we should get the whole thing. Um, but we would need to overthrow capitalism in order to get that whole pie, which if you're interested in doing that, we should talk later. Um, but onwards uh, to the other economic gains for part-timers, we most importantly, we won more full-time jobs. So uh, we can't survive off of part-time hours. Uh, we would need second and third jobs. Um, so we want full-time jobs. Uh, we want the higher pay that comes with it more job security, stable hours, stable schedule, which is good for parents um, and people who can't go driving for whatever reason. We want more inside full-time jobs. And again, the company benefits by having so many part-timers um, with high turnover. Uh, we don't benefit from that. We, we want those full-time jobs for Teamsters. Um, but in the meantime, there's still going to be a lot of part-timers at UPS. So another thing we want uh, is the ability to do seasonal support work. Um, so that means delivering packages out of our own cars uh, at starting driver rate, which with like mileage reimbursement, insurance, all of that during the holidays. Um, so uh, this is more money for us. And if you work in the logistics industry, you know, we make a lot of money during the holidays. It sucks because we don't get the time off that a lot of jobs or a lot of people do at other jobs. But it's the industry we work in and uh, definitely something people uh depend on to budget over the uh, over the year. Um, and UPS was already having people deliver out of their cars during the holidays uh, or during peak season. Um, but it was given off, out to people off the street. So it wasn't given to Teamsters. It was um, just random anybody with a car, basically. Uh, and this 
um, was especially bad this year because they were, that was people learning the routes and learning the methods of delivering, um, which this year would have meant those would have been the the first people who would scab during our strike because they'd already be better at the job than someone who hadn't done it before. So that was a big issue. Um, And it's not, I mean, it's not perfect. Like we would just want more driver jobs, but at least that work is going to us now rather than um, people who aren't Teamsters. Um, uh, The last thing I'll talk about for economic gains uh, is supervisors working. So in our contract, uh, only union members are allowed to do our work, not supervisors. Um, That's our hours, our jobs. So uh, we already um, had that. Um, but they do work um, all the time. It's very annoying. Uh, we can't do anything to stop. Well, we can do things to stop them, but they are relentless um, because it saves them money. So they do it. Um, so uh, now we have a higher penalty for it, um, which is four times uh, whoever files the grievance pay for the amount of time that the supervisor works, Um which can be a lot of money if the supervisor works for a whole day, that's four days of pay um, that we're asking for. Uh, so hopefully that gets them to stop working and either give us the hours or create more Teamster jobs. Um, and if it doesn't, then at least we get like a higher penalty for it and get to get back at the company for it. Um, so these are just some of our economic gains. Uh, we have a lot of non-economic gains that we won as part-timers that improve our working conditions and seniority day to day. Uh, but Nico's going to talk all about that. Um, I just want to say, uh, you know, as has already been said, we believe it was this member-led fight that won us everything we won in this contract. Um, if you work at UPS, you know that the contract campaign has been the talk of the town at work for uh, over a year. Um, and as union activists, we always want as many people as possible to participate and take up any struggle, whether it be for an issue in our hub, like uh, more fans or against harassment, um, or for something like this, like a larger contract fight that we just had. Um, and we want to use tactics that actually work. So for the contract fight, obviously we know our best tactic is a strike or in our case, a credible strike threat. Um, and our fight was on the shop floors across the country and it was done mostly in front of management. Um, it wasn't on zoom. It wasn't on Facebook. It was, at work through union huddles, parking lot meetings, actions, rallies, uh, like the practice pickets, all to unite people around the issues we are fighting for so uh, that we would have that credible strike threat with uh, members ready to hit the street um, August 1st. And I would say that we were, we were ready. Um, Through all of our activity, people were overwhelmingly like ready to strike uh, by July. Um, People were actually, were preparing for it. People were actually excited for it. People were disappointed that we weren't, we didn't end up striking. Um, And even the company knew it because a few weeks into July, they started training our supervisors to become drivers uh, in the case of a strike. Um, So they were ready. Uh, The public and the media knew it uh, and were blowing up about it. Um, So with all this pressure, the company was um, scared to death of a strike. And in that way, we basically forced them uh, to give into our demands. Um, and I think uh, Jared said it, but uh, um, importantly, uh, this fight got so many people involved and that's what uh, will make us a stronger union going forward. So for example, we're always in a battle with UPS to enforce our contract um, because they constantly violate it. Um, and to enforce it, we need a lot of member participation. So Keeping up this momentum will help us to enforce what we want and fight for even more in our next contract. Um, And so lastly, uh, a larger goal of this contract fight was to build um, uh, a broader, like a broader fighting labor movement. So we want all workers to participate in the fight against the corporations that exploit us. And through this contract fight, we showed other unions and other workers how to do that. Um, So I'm a member organizer with my local. and we've already had uh, workers from other industries see what we want and how we want it and want to do the same in their workplaces. Um, so they're looking at our new contract as inspiration to demand more from their bosses. So hopefully we'll see more militancy going forward and uh, more wins for the working class. 
Thank you, Jenny. Um, our next speaker that we're going to hear from before the discussion is um, Nico Hernandez. Nico is a part-time um, shifter and package cover driver in Jacksonville, Florida. He's worked at UPS for three years and has been involved in TDU and his local union um, since day one. He's the youngest elected member of the TDU steering committee and the only part-timer on that committee. He campaigned extensively for the 512 Teamsters United slate in Jacksonville to reform his local union and later for the Oz slate to bring back militant unionism in the international. Working on vacation and sleeping in his car to campaign all over Illinois in addition to campaigning in Jacksonville. He's a true fighter who believes in rank and file power and the need to build a militant labor movement. Um, take it away, Nico. All righty. Thank you for the intro, Shireen. Um, I'm glad you all left me with uh, the non-economic portion because I, I think that's honestly the most important uh, portion that we want in this contract. Um, wages only do you so much. Um, what I believe we should be fighting for as socialists and trade unionists is dignity. Dignity and respect in the workplace. I, I think for myself, that's by far the most important thing that we get as workers. We do all the work at this company and in the country, and to be able to have dignity and respect in the workplace is really the most important thing to me. Um, after 25 years of concessions, we finally have a contract that we can call a good contract. Um, we've been fighting for a long time to get reformed leadership in the international, and I believe through this contract fight, we've really shown what our model of organizing leads to, and it leads to a contract that we can all actually be proud of. The business unionists love to say that, you know, it's a give and take process in bargaining. And they're right. They're right. Uh, we give them our labor and we take everything that we deserve. And that, that's the proper vision that the Oz slate managed to promulgate through these negotiations. And I think they did a, a, a certainly an admirable job. Um, even Wall Street seemed to think so because uh, the pro stock price, as soon as the TAs dropped and the economics um, were made clear, uh, UPS's forecast for their economics dropped and uh, their stock did as well, which I was very proud of to see <laughs> um, right after this uh, hard contract fight. Um, I'd like to go on Article 17, which uh, any UPSer will know very intimately is the paid for time article. Uh, the company loves to chip away at how much money we make through stealing. They love to intentionally undercut your time. They love to take five minutes here, 10 minutes there to make their numbers look better. Um, and we received some fairly strong new language on Article 17. Um, it makes it so the company will have to pay increased penalties for part-timers and full-timers. They'll have to pay those penalties sooner, and um, which will substantially help our members in actually getting paid correctly. Um, also a new payroll system uh, two years into the contract will have to be implemented where we'll be able to see exactly when we clock in, where we clock out, any edits made by management team, when and why, uh, which will be really substantial for getting these grievances paid out and hopefully getting the managers that illegally love to steal our time fired. Um, Article 37, we received um, some changes in terms of how much penalty pay we can get for um, harassment grievances. Um, SurePost, we managed to increase the amount of Teamster job by thousands by decreasing the amount of subcontracting allowed in the contract by giving packages to the postal office. Um, subcontracting for feeder. Now, this, this this is pretty substantial. We had this language negotiated in the 2018 contract where we allowed the company to create 2,000 new sleeper team jobs. And then after that, they were allowed to unlimitedly subcontract um, across the entire network. Um, as long as those 2,000 jobs stayed in effect and as long as any uh, feeder driver with more than three years of seniority is working, we got rid of that language completely and we made it so that no sleep, um, feeder driver may be laid off while a run is being subcontracted, which is very substantial. Um, we added gender identity and sexual orientation to the protected categories in the contract, making those illegal to discriminate against. Um, Change of operations. So if the company creates a new building within the area of a local jurisdiction, the company is forced to hire from the existing Teamsters within the area before they're allowed to go off the street. And in addition, they're forced to pay those uh, Teamsters that they hire, they're forced to pay for their moving expenses, which is going to help a lot of folks that are in areas where companies love to change around, make their op operations more efficient, and thereby screwing over members. Now we have the opportunity to take those jobs 
and the company has to pay for any lodging expenses, moving expenses, and all that. Um, FMLA, previously the company was able to take all but one week of your vacation if you had medical issues that required you to take Family Medical Leave Act. Um, we doubled that to two weeks in this contract. It's not perfect, but that's something that I'm happy about. As someone who has to be on FMLA um, for the company, it's really important to me to actually also be able to take my vacations as necessary because it's not just you know your physical health that matters, also your mental health, be able to stay well at work and be able to uh, have the dignity of like being owed those vacations for putting in the amount of hours that we do at this company. Um, lactation facilities, um, the company has to provide private facilities for all. Um, mothers who have to lactate work, which is a big, really big issue that I was seeing brought up um, a lot. And I'm really happy that that got um, addressed. Uh, Part-timers. Now we get to transfer without having to pretend to go to college, which is wonderful. Um, previously, you had to sign up for college classes and it was this whole rigmarole with transfer. It was nasty and unnecessary. And thankfully, that language has changed. Now, part-timers are allowed to transfer for any reason to any location with an open job. Um, supervisors. Now they have to wear, not only do they have to wear name tags, but they also have to wear I, um, their a complete identification with their picture to make sure that they're not doing any uh, funky stuff uh, in regards to that. Um, something that's really important for me in the South. Um, lots of the country, parts of the country have decent local unions. Um, for me, we, we don't. Our local union uh, loves to sell it to the company. They give them side deals all the time. And this new um, language in the national contract is really important to that. Um, national language, Language that only applies to the national contract may be forwarded directly to the national um, grievance panel. That may not sound like much, but for us, who has been uh, those in the South and those with uh, re uh, regressive local unions, that's substantial. That means that national language will actually get enforced as opposed to these sell outside agreements, the, the uh, sell out local unions like to make with the company. So I'm really excited about that. Um, another one for us in this um, in right to work states. Uh, there's a new electronic member form that's going to be given to members at the point of um, application for hiring. So the idea of the union and the um, paperwork is all going to be simplified, um, creating less burden on local unions to have to sign up members every single week, week in, week out. Um, we'll simplify that process a lot. Um, this is the first time since the creation of the National Master Contract that we've um, received a new paid holiday. At least for us in the South, this is the very first time. MLK Day is now a paid holiday across the country. Um, a very substantial change for those of us that uh, respect the um, work of Dr. Martin Luther King. It's a really important day for workers as well. Um, I, I think I've covered everything. Back to you, Shereen. All right. Thank you, Nico. And uh, another shout out as well to Jenny and Jared for your contributions uh, for uh, for the event tonight. Um, we have a number of questions that have come up in the chat that we're going to dive into now. We've got a, a number of questions that have come up in the chat, some which have uh, kind of specifically to do with some of the terms of the agreement and some which have uh, have to do with kind of broader um, broader assessments and next steps. So I think what I'll do is go into the kind of the nitty gritty of of um, of the agreement first and just spend if we could just answer these briefly and then look at the bigger picture. I think that would be great. And so. Um, there's a question around the PVDs and SSDs um, and whether or not kind of how that's going to work out. And is the the agreement that was reached related to these a good thing or is it a uh, is it a concession? How do how do you all view that? So let's start with that question. I can start. Right. Um, SSDs. I'm not sure what that is, but PVDs. Um, that was a big issue going into the, the contract fight was getting rid of PVDs for people delivering out of their personal vehicles. And then it's like a Honda Civic, somebody driving a Honda Civic and filling it full of, uh, you know, 30 packages or something like that. Anyways, um, the goal was to get rid of it. But I think that that was one of those things that kind of came up short. Um, and so obviously during peak season, the company hires like a bunch of people. Uh, somebody said golf carts. I did golf cart uh, 
<laughs> I don't know, like 12 years ago or something like that. Um, but anyways, uh, over here in Los Angeles, we don't have golf carts. Thank God get run over or something. Um, but so the current languages, it allows for people to be off the street. They can be used at delivering in their own personal vehicles and they are not teamsters. They're just temporary workers. So the, though we weren't able to get rid of the PVDs altogether, the language now coming forward is that it's offered to the part-time workforce first. Um, so though it's, I wouldn't consider it a concession because it's actually moving forward. Um, but it, is not elimination of PVDs altogether. So, Jenny or Nico, did you want to add to this or should we move on to the next question? Uh, I'd just like to add a little bit. Um, I, I mean, none of us are happy that PVDs, they still exist. Um, we all wanted to remove from this contract. Um, even O'Brien said in the two man meetings that it was the, there was two things that he did, we didn't get in negotiations that he really wanted. He wanted to shorten the progression and he really wanted to get rid of PVDs. Um, you know, did we win everything in this contract? No, uh, to be frank, we didn't. Um, it can, did we win everything that could be won? I, I believe we did. Um, and we reversed so many years of just dog shit contracts, 25 years of concessions and we made miraculous gains. Um, I hate PVDs. I'll be honest with you. I, I, I can't stand them taking our work and bastardizing it into Uber Eats. But giving that work first to um, our already existing part-time workforce and allowing them to get the experience that they need to go out and become good delivery drivers and, you know, building that um, that system whereby the workers already are getting that experience necessary to go on and become package car drivers in the future, I think is a, uh, a good win. Um, it's not everything, but I, I'm, I'm happy that it's the way it is now as opposed to the way it was in 2018 through 2023. All right. Um, we have another question as well regarding um, the fight for holidays. And I know that, that Nico mentioned this, um, that um, MLK is now a holiday. Um, was there a, a inclusion of other holidays in the demands? Is there a plan to do so in the future? Does anyone want to speak to that point? I think going into this contract was the uh, the fight for Juneteenth and MLK. Um, obviously, to um, you know express solidarity to our African American coworkers and and for Martin Luther King, who was in you know. Uh, Teamsters represent a lot of sanitation workers as well. Our local has a lot of sanitation workers, and he was assassinated. Uh, the I believe a day after the sanitation strike in Memphis, if I recall correctly, uh, it was a Teamster strike line. Um, so, you know, something to you know honor you know his legacy, but also for all the our coworkers who are oppressed at work. Um, oh, was asked me. Well, I'm sorry. Um, so Shireen, I apologize. Uh, <laughs> um, so I would say, obviously it's a stepping stone, you know, for other holidays as well. Um, you know, there's, uh, we've never, I don't think, I can't recall the last time we've included an extra holiday. Um, so it's something that, you know, we could obviously use for, you know, the next upcoming contracts. Um, so I'll leave it at that. Right. Thank you, Jared. Um, I have a question for Jenny um, from the chat. Um, if you could speak to some of your experiences with gender-based discrimination at UPS and um, if there were demands that, that came up within the contract fight uh, related to this and some of the benefits through a kind of gendered analysis. Sure, yeah. Um, we... Uh, in our last webinar, we covered it more, so I didn't talk too much about it. But, um, well, first off, just to say, I, every workplace has gen issues with gender discrimination um, in the U.S. Uh, and we deal with it just the same at UPS, of course. Uh, it's a mostly uh, male-dominated industry, um, especially at the driver level. Um, so 
we won, uh, Nico described it, the uh, anti-gender discrimination clause um, for whatever that is worth, um, hopefully something uh, if anything comes up. And then also the breastfeeding uh, ability to breastfeed um, in a private space and um, on the clock during work. Uh, but for um, for us as part-timers, uh, or basically part-time pay, uh, I would say, is a women's issue because uh, there's a larger percentage of women who are part-timers at UPS than are drivers um, for many reasons, uh, mostly just because of the irregular scheduling and um, uh, commitment of dri driving. It's very unpredictable. So if you're a single mom or a mo any mom um, and you have to take care of your kids at a certain time, it's really hard to go driving and um, be able to balance all of that. So the fact that part-timers were making so much less um, and that the majority of the women were part-timers or are part-timers, um, that made the part-time pay a women's issue. And that's also why we wanted to fight for more part-time pay um, and also more uh, full-time inside jobs because the inside jobs have a much more regular schedule. You know what time you're in and out. Um, they actually kick you out after eight hours, unlike drivers. Um, so that could also be beneficial for women who are uh, responsible for uh, child care in their families. Thank you, Jenny. Um, we've had a number of questions that have come up about keeping up momentum um, following the contract campaign. And um, I want to ask our our panelists to to comment on that. But I want to um, also share a quote from Elizabeth Gurley Flynn about how you assess a strike. And though this wasn't a strike, it was a, a very militant contract campaign that that took it right to the to the edge of a strike. And one of uh, the things that that um, Gurley Flynn, the rebel girl and revolutionary trade unionist, said was. What is a labor victory? I maintain it as a twofold thing. Workers must gain economic advantage, but they must also gain revolutionary spirit in order to achieve a complete victory. For workers to gain a few more cents a day, a few minutes less a day, and go back to work with the same psychology, the same attitude towards society is to have achieved a temporary gain and not a lasting victory. And so for Elizabeth Gurley Flynn, it was really about the one of the most important things was about raising the consciousness of workers and raising the the level of militancy. So it's not just about what are the concrete gains that might come about in any given contract, but how can you transform how people think about things? And so what I'd like to do is ask is ask our panelists, like there was a clearly a lot of a momentum that was put forward. Um, that was built during the contract campaign. How do you keep that going? I know from being in, you know, uh, both going out on strike, but also organizing contract campaigns, people get really motivated and then you get the new contract and folks can kind of move back into just kind of the same old, same old. How do you, how do you ensure that, that, um, that the, the fight continues and that the people's consciousness um, actually does change uh, going forward. What What is your assessment on that? Um, and uh, I'll call on Jared first. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, as leaders in the workplace, um, we can't, we have a responsibility to keep the momentum alive too. Um, we've got a new contract coming, coming in. And uh, I think we, we know something's for sure is that the company will violate it. <laughs> the company will try and do whatever they can to bend the rules, break the rules, et cetera, et cetera. And so for those hard fought things that, you know, we really care for, you know, this all sorts of things, we need to make sure that the contract is enforced. And some of the, we need to also be thinking too, is that, uh, you know, the folks that were really active during the campaign, um, we need to get them to, to step up and say, look, um, you know, we need to enforce the contract. We need, you know, them to, uh, to abide by the thing that they signed too. And for other folks too, we want them to become stewards. We want them, you know, to become workplace leaders as well. And so we just can't let that momentum die and, um, you know, keep it going. Jenny, I'll call on you next to answer. Yeah, I mean, we didn't we didn't fight for this contract for nothing because like Jared said, the company will violate it. Even with our concessionary contracts, they constantly violate the contract. It's a constant battle. Um and we do need people to help with it. 
Um, if no one's active in your building, then the company is going to get away with a lot more. But if you have an active workforce and people who know the contract and are willing to like speak up and speak against uh, any violations and, and continue that fight against the boss, I think um, that's how we keep people involved because uh, it's not like we uh, fight uh, for a year and then take four years off. Not at, not at UPS. The, the struggle continues at UPS. Uh, the struggle never ends because their uh, UPS management is just, um, you know, they're shameless in um, how they disrespect both the workforce and the contract that we um, bought for um, or the contracts that we have. Um, but that, I mean, that's just talking to people about that helps people, I think, like I, people understand that because we see it every day. Um, so I think just continuing to uh, mobilize around different issues, whatever is going on, um, that's how we keep it up. And then in four years, we'll start all over for our next contract. Nico? Yeah, I'd just like to mention that a contract is only as good as its enforcement. Um, if, if you have a contract that isn't enforced, you don't have a contract. Um, the writing only gets you so far. Um, and a union without membership involvement isn't a union. Um, that, that's really our task, is to build a union on the shop floor and to enforce the contract that we have. Um, if we don't do those two things, then it's this entire fight will have been for nothing. Um, it's really important that we get people involved, we get people fighting, get people filing grievances, we get people marching on the boss, and we make sure that these wins that we won at the negotiating table don't get lost on the shop floor. All right, thank you. Um, we're gonna wrap up in, in just a few minutes, but I wanna, um, we've got a, a couple more questions here. Um, how can we use these wins to organize Amazon? That was a large part of some of the messaging, especially early on, but throughout. Um, how are people assessing it now? Yeah, I think I think that was uh, a big um, idea of this contract fight um, was to have a big pub public campaign that everyone was paying attention to. Because um, I mean, uh, we have we spoke about it a little, but we don't have a very active labor movement in our country um, in terms of seeing workers uh, stand up and demand more from their employers. Um, so I think. Both in the campaign, we kind of showed uh, other people how to do that, other workers how to do that. Um, and in our contract, um, we we have so much, I mean, already like a lot of workers uh, in other industries or in the same industry at different companies are looking at our contract and being like, yeah, I want that. Because Amazon drivers, they're still making like $19 an hour, um, nowhere close to what we want in this contract. And uh, they have horrible uh, safety conditions, both drivers and inside the warehouses. Um, and yeah, there's just a lot to win there. And uh, they are definitely paying attention to what's going on at UPS. I think um, a lot of a lot of workers in different industries are because we did raise the bar. And I think, uh, yeah, there people are going to see that and obviously want to see that it's possible to organize for that. Thank you. Um... I want to ask all three of you if you could comment on this um, question about what's next. Um, where do you see things going for rank and file militants on the shop floor at UPS? And where do you see things going um, for um, Freedom Road uh, activists and organizers at, at UPS? I'll go first. Um, I mean, look, we've got a, we got a lot of work to do. Um, you know, not just as, you know, rank and file, you know, activists and, and the unions, but if we really want to change society, um, you know, we need to be thinking about something bigger than a union contract or a tentative agreement or organizing this workplace or that workplace. Um, you know, we have to take this momentum from now and find other folks that want to join in this fight that's a lot bigger than than just a trade union fight. We need to unite with, uh, you know, the other fights and movements uh, going on in the United States because we all have a common enemy. And um, so I think uh, it's something to think about is we meet people on the shop floor and they're 
they get exposed to this struggle and, um, you know, they, their eyes get open, their consciousness is raised and we need to, you know, continue that and, and bring them forward. So I think, um, you know, it's kind of a twofold thing. Obviously we continue struggling in the unions and continue struggling for better contracts and, but we got to find people along the way. Yeah. I think, um, it was awesome or it's awesome that so many, uh, workers at UPS, uh, stood up and were ready to strike for more, um, and kind of, uh, raised, uh, their level of consciousness, their level of consciousness through that process. Um, and I think, uh, especially right now, just like how, uh, people, people's different reactions to the contract. I think it's a good thing that people do have high expectations and want even more, um, and I think that is a good opportunity for people to fight for more like inside the workplace and outside the workplace and fight for uh, change in society where we actually could uh, have a fair contract. But that would only be under socialism. Um, so, yeah, I think um, that's another way we move forward um, right now and keep up the momentum is to kind of uh, summate that with people um, and kind of explain why uh, we didn't win uh, everything that we wanted. Um, from where do we go from here? Um, it, we continue to do what we've already been doing. We build militancy on the shop floor. We enforce the contract that we already have. We, you know, show people that it's trade unions can only go so far and that we need to fight for more because as workers, we always deserve more. Um, hopefully we're as Teamsters, hopefully we're able to leverage this victory in a couple ways, hopefully by the new operations at FedEx, they're merging their operations and it seems that they're gonna be classified under the National Labor Relations Act now, as opposed to the Railway Labor Act. Hopefully be able to do some organizing at that massive competitor because their standards are undercutting our wages and the wages of the entire um, industry. And in addition, Amazon, um, who's an existential threat to the um, work that we do um, through their model of paying people crap um, and the ultimate uberification of the job. Um, the, these existential threats really need to be addressed if we're going to really build um, the industry and the, our union and uh, fight for the class in the ways that we need to. Thank you, Nico. With that, I think we will wrap up uh, this event. I really want to thank all of you for joining us. Um, in particular, I want to thank Jared and Jenny and Nico for sharing their perspectives on the, the contract fight at UPS and what it means. And I want to again just encourage you, um, if you are a Teamster, if you worked at, if you work at UPS, if you were a trade unionist, um, if you're a member of the working class, um, think about joining, uh, Freedom Road Socialist Organization. If you want to find out more about what our strategy is within the labor movement in particular, there are a couple of great pamphlets that are on our webpage, Class Struggle on the Shop Floor, a strategy for a new generation of socialists in the U.S., and the strategic alliance between the workers' movement and the Black liberation movement and the struggle for community control of the police, which is um, lessons uh, from our, our fights in Chicago. And um, we, again, as an organization, we are about building shop floor fights and long-term struggles uh, within our unions to transform them and put them on a class struggle basis. We also recognize that, that simply having good unions that build fights and win uh, better contracts than what we currently have is not enough for the working class. It is not enough for really bringing about change in society. And in order to do that, we need revolutionary organizations. Organization. We need socialist organization, and that is what we are about building as the Freedom Road Socialist Organization. And if that's something that, that you're interested in as well and want to work shoulder to shoulder, I really invite you to join us. Um, and the, there's a link in the chat. 
We're going to continue having forums like this, um, and I invite you to join us for them. Um, if you have friends or family, loved ones who um, weren't able to make the event tonight, it will be uh, broadcast as um, one of the podcasts for Fight Back Radio. So I encourage you to listen to that and not just listen to the episode tonight, but there are a number of episodes on the, the fight at UPS um, and uh, the battle within team as well as uh, discussions about the, the broader labor movement as a whole and the, the fight for um, justice in any number of movements that we are a part of. And I really want to encourage you to check it out. Um, with that, I'm going to end things and thank you all for joining us. Good night, everybody. So uh, hopefully that was enlightening to people and gave you some context for uh, this huge, important battle uh, with the Teamsters with the United Parcel Service. Um, you know, the, we're going to put in the show notes uh, some of the things they, they you could hear them talking about, put in the chat about how to join Freedom Road Socialist Organization or how to contact them or, you know, some of those kind of things. So uh, uh, look uh, for our show notes for that. Uh, we encourage you to to share this episode uh, with people that have been following the labor movement or uh, or the United Parcel Service Teamster battle. Um, we want them to learn about that. And we want to introduce Fight Back Radio to more and more people. Uh, we're, we're growing at a good clip, and uh, we're pleased about that. Um, but we always want to grow more. We want to increase our influence. Uh, and we want people to hear you know, we've had just a spectacular uh, guest, I believe, and uh, we want to get that out. Also, I'd encourage people to, to go back and look at some of our past episodes. Uh, if you're interested in the Teamsters, um, you know, we had a, a, a forum from Freedom Road earlier, uh, which with the same uh, uh, guest, uh, but then talking about the buildup and building a, a, a credible strike threat. Um, but also we had uh, Richard Blake on uh, earlier in the year and uh, uh, talking about the, the Teamsters more in general. Um, and uh, Eliza Schultz, who, who spoke specifically about uh, the Teamsters and about the LGBTQ caucus and, and some of the issues faced by uh, LGBTQ people within the Teamsters and the labor movement. So I encourage people to go back, look at those and, and our other shows as well, you know, and, and share this with others. Uh, um, we want people to know about it, as I said, uh, um, write a review, give us five stars, thumbs up, depending on where you're watching or listening to this. Uh, those are all things that help us. Um, so then finally, I, I want to uh, thank our production team, who has just been spectacular uh, episode after episode. Uh, Natalie Pranis, Dodd McColgan, uh, Shane Tremley, and Vince Olson. So uh, for our entire Fight Back Radio team, I'm Richard Berg saying until next time, all power to the people. <laughs>